This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The first one was so fun that we decided to double dip for round two. We're back for no ceilings, and Albert and I give our reactions to what we saw from the battle of the heavyweights between Gonzaga and UCLA. We try to hide our love for Chet Holmgren, but honestly, it's a bit difficult. I also try to warn everyone to pump the expectations on UCLA prospect Peyton Watson, even though I fear the overreactions are going to be flying. Thank you for listening, and I am so glad to be out of Las Vegas. Dickie V, take it away. He has been the man. Look at that ball! Oh, 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 come on, America! America! Get the note in there! Chet Holmgren, are you serious? All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to part two of the No Ceilings podcast. It is myself, Tyler Rucker, and the legend, Albert Gim, taking over. We are live from Las Vegas. You know, we were told, basically, by Tyler Metcalf, who's been running the first two episodes of this and does a fantastic job. But we're basically, you know, we're coming off the bench for Ty. He's traveling, and we were excited to do this. We're live, like I said, from Las Vegas. This episode is part two. You know, we talked about what we've been building up to this big game tonight against UCLA and Gonzaga. Mm -hmm. This is basically our live reactions. We just got back from that game, so we're going to have plenty to talk about. Where do you want to start, Albert? I mean, Uh, it was crazy. Yeah, I think the first place for us to start is this game was built like it was going to be some heavyweight match mm-hmm. right i mean t- we're here in las vegas and everywhere we go they have billboards up about this game number one versus number two right timmy and juzang and um it really did not live up to its billing at all uh the final score they won by 20 plus right mm-hmm. and it was a pretty rough game to watch i think especially if you're a ucla fan i don't really know how much you're going to take away from this game in terms of positives mm-hmm. but yeah i mean w- where should we start? I mean, I think kind of like part one, we might have to start with Chet, no? If you want to start with Chet, we can. I mean, it's the elephant in the room or we can bring him up later. Yeah, let's keep it consistent. Yeah, I thought it was a big night for mm-hmm. Chet. I thought going into this, I thought he was fantastic. Last night, you know, we talked about it in part one about just how impressive he was seeing actually in person. He's done great stuff throughout the year, but I also thought tonight was the game to cement himself as kind of the the real deal, if you want to put it that way, because it was facing, you know, the number two team in the country. The first time, really, he was going up against a team that had, you know, supposedly some size, some mm-hmm. serious, you know, players to bang up against. And he just stood, he was clearly the best player on the court all night, and it wasn't even close. I just saw it right out of the gate. Chet was fantastic. He, you know, I think he ended up with four blocks. He just kept, he keeps doing stuff every game. That This is something I talk about. He keeps doing stuff every game mm-hmm. that just wows me. And it's a pleasant surprise. But like I said, I thought he was fantastic. What about you, Albert? No, I I think the first thing that I wanted to address is that it it felt like it was definitely one of the bigger crowds that he's played in front of. um, And he looked totally unbothered. 
by the crowd, by the atmosphere. Uh, even in warmups, he looked totally natural and relaxed and confident. And he just looked like, I'm going to play another game today. And it doesn't matter who's on the other side of that court. We're going to play our game. And he played his game. I mean, he did everything that I think we were looking for on both sides of the court. I, I mean, offensively, he did things with the ball in his hands. He was pushing it off of rebounds, off of misses, right? Take bringing it up court. He made some unbelievable passes in the second half that I think will largely go unnoticed by a lot of people. But I, I think that type of stuff is really important, right? The rapport and the chemistry that he's building with Timmy, I think, with what they're what they have now. When we start thinking about March and what that tandem is going to look like, that that gets really exciting. But yeah, I mean, even defensively, you talked about it. He got banged up a little bit. Well, not banged up, but like you know, uh, some of the UCLA bigs were kind of going at him. I think they felt like they had a physical advantage and they were dead wrong. You know, whatever advantage they thought that they had, Chet was like, you know, nice try. Um, I, I'm going to wait for you guys. I'm, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to use my length. I'm not going to foul you. And he was unbelievable on that side of the ball as well. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it was kind of the full Chet arsenal. Um, and he showed us literally everything we were hoping to see. So great night for him. There was just sequences in the game that Chet was dominating so much, especially on the defensive side of the ball that you could see UCLA guys were just not wanting to go at him. Right. You know, he was that much of a force. And I thought early on they tried to outmuscle him, if you want to say it that way. And he was, you know, he was blocking shots left mm-hmm. and right. He was doing his thing. His efficiency just continues to surprise me, wow me. Like he's not, he doesn't force. He doesn't need to jack up a bunch of shots. He took some threes today when he had clear shots. He didn't force the issue. He had a couple beautiful footwork possessions. Mm-hmm. I think he had one against Hawkeyes. It was just unbelievable. He just keeps checking boxes. Now, I know Friday is a whole nother type of monster right. because I went into this game telling Albert I thought this was a scary matchup. Just going down the line, I thought UCLA could have some problems. Gonzaga just rolled right out of the gate. It wasn't close. It was kind of a big statement win from Gonzaga. And right. I think Friday will be an entirely different story because it's weird for me to say this, but I haven't been a fan of a Duke team like I am this year mm. because they just have some guys that are nasty. That's going to be worth the buzz mm-hmm. because everyone's going to be paying attention to Paulo and Chet but I think you know you're talking Trevor Keels, Wendell Moore going against Gonzaga backcourt, Mark Williams Mark Williams mm-hmm. with Timmy like that starting five mm-hmm. that rotation is going to match up really really well it's going to be exciting AJ Griffin right you know guys like that there's monster game but what else stood out to you tonight what else are you thinking what how about our boy Nemhart? yeah I mean so we we talked about this at the game but with Nemhard, I, I think our evaluation with him coming into the week this week, uh, going go, going into yesterday and today, I think we thought of him more as just a really good college guard, mm-hmm. right? A guy that you need to get to March and will carry you through March, right? Um, and there's no disrespect from that right. with people listening. Like right. just saying that you're a good college player yeah. is not like, you know, I think me and you were trying to figure out, can he be a 10-year NBA mm-hmm. guy? C- could he be like potentially a backup? And yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I mm-hmm. think tonight was kind of of a little bit of a wake-up call of like, oh, okay, yeah. maybe there's something else. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's turning into what we wanted him to become. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, today, absolutely, like a wake-up call, but also like a resume-building type of game. Right. You know, uh, this is the type of performance that when you look back at him, you know, during the next draft cycle, you're going to remember a game like this mm-hmm. because he absolutely took over for stretches where he was totally unfazed by whoever was guarding him, going straight to the rim, right? 
hit some good shots. I mean, the the thing that I think stuck out to us the most when we were watching him, um, even during warmups on the court, he's a legit like six five. Mm-hmm. He's a lot bigger than I think we expected, and and he uses it well, right, going at smaller guards. But also, there's a physicality to him um, that was really interesting to watch. And I think just overall, like if you if he as I think you mentioned this at the game, if he continues to add performances like this to his resume, then the converse, conversation and the narrative around him will change drastically. So he definitely impressed tonight. Yeah, I went into tonight thinking that someone in Gonzaga's backcourt was going to step up. I mm. just, it felt like yesterday was kind of Chet's show and, you know, Timmy had some moments and Nemhart was just fantastic. I, I was really pleased with how he looked all over the place. He had a great night and that was, the, I think I've talked to you before. I was like, this is the type of game Nemhart should be thriving. Right. Like he understands the situation. He understands the moment. He was just fantastic. He was in mm. control the whole time. It was great. Like as good as Chet was, and he was spectacular. I thought Nemhart was right up there because he was just brilliant all yeah. night with his play. So anywhere, anyone else that you were intrigued by tonight? I was intrigued with Julian Strother tonight. It was funny. Me and Albert left last night's game. We didn't realize Strother had 15 right. or whatever he finished up with. Too. It was a very quiet 15. I kind of made it a point to kind of watch him, have an eye on him in warmups, watch him throughout the game. And tonight he actually popped at me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what he ended up with. What did he end up with? 12 points, 9 rebounds. But like the 12 and 9 tonight was way more obvious to me because he was all over the place. Like Mm -hmm. he was active on the glass, Mm -hmm. showing some ability to stretch the floor. I know his shooting numbers, I don't think they look that great, but Mm -hmm. I just thought his potential and upside kind of jumped at me a little more tonight than they did previously. What did you think? No, I I agree. Like especially on the boards, right? Right. In the first half, I think by halftime, he already had like four or five rebounds and they, they were impactful rebounds. Right. Not just like whatever rebounds. He was really mixing it up and trying to get in there and do stuff. And I I think absolutely. I think he even hit a three, um, which was, I think, the first half, which felt like something, you know. So I agree with you, man. I I think there's something there. I I did want to mention Timmy a little bit. Yeah. I feel like he's had a very quiet couple days here. And I think that's a really good sign for Gonzaga, because if he if if Gonzaga had to rely on him for 25, 30, 35 points, for both games to get by, then that would have been actually a red flag for me, right? But the fact that he only, well, he had 18 and 8 tonight, but I mean, you know, it never felt like they were really trying to feature him or really relying on him too much. I think he had, he, he had a couple like gimme layups and stuff like that. So yeah, I just feel like overall, these first two games this week, Monday and Tuesday, I think if you're a Gonzaga fan the for the teams and for the players, they have to be really excited for the way that they won these games, right? Whether it was against Central Michigan or against UCLA tonight, these were really important wins and the way that they won, I thought was really important. And for Timmy, like we, we saw it even tonight, right? Some of the stuff that he was doing, like when that, that drive, when a uh, homegrown went all, all the way to the basket for Timmy to seal off his man like that. I mean, who, who's going to talk about that, right, right? right, right? When people watch that highlight, they're going to talk about the block that homegrown had and then he brought the ball up and then he went to the basket but him timmy sealing off his man led to that dunk you mm-hmm. know and so i think with timmy he does so much on the floor that's so smart and so important to the team's success and as you've been mentioning nba teams care about guys who do stuff like that right and he's got unbelievable feet in the post he's got all kinds of things to his arsenal and 
in warmups, I saw it too. He's got a little bit of touch from the outside too. Mm-hmm. I think that's something he's going to work on and continue to develop. And if he can add that 18 footer, 20 footer, even out to three on the next level, then we're talking about a real rotation guy. Right. And so I was just impressed by how much they didn't have to rely on Timmy and the fact that he's already got those skills and he's still working on that stuff. He's an excited guy to watch. Uh, you're spot on because, you know, we, me and Albert had someone ask us what we thought about Timmy and, mm-hmm. you know, what we thought of his NBA potential. And mm-hmm. I definitely think Timmy's going to be this guy that you can't chase the numbers to value his impact. Correct. He just does so many little things on the court that I think a smart NBA team is going to be checking boxes with him and very, very fascinated about adding him early on as a rotation guy that he just understands how to play the game of basketball. Mm -hmm. And I think what's awesome about Timmy is I think he's understanding how to get the best of Chet Holgram Mm -hmm. out. You know what I'm saying? He's understanding how to work with him and do the little things that makes his life easier. Those guys are valuable. And, you know, Timmy is a fantastic, just kind of just understands what needs to be done in the situation of the game. And I know that sounds kind of weird to say, but like he knew tonight when it was getting feisty and he understood how to go to the hoop. He understood how to get his teammates going and stuff like that. It's just one of those emotion guys that he also is very aware of what's going on in the court. He's very aware of, you know, passing lanes, decisions like that. I just think the more I keep watching Timmy, the more I I'm convinced some team's going to be invested in the idea of he's an early rotation big that's mm-hmm. going to be fantastic backup that maybe just keeps developing. Like you said, Albert, maybe that outside shot comes around mm-hmm. on a consistent level and he becomes this entirely different type of big man that we're like, okay, Timmy now has a the trajectory on his career and the NBA is way different if he's all of a sudden a floor spacer. But I just think he does too many little things, you know, stands out mm-hmm. that you can't look at his game and be like oh he had six and ten and that's not that it, no mm-hmm. it's a very important six and ten and right. like you said tonight i didn't even realize till after i think i looked up at the scoreboard at the end of the game and i was like he had 18 mm-hmm. what like he's just a solid guy and, right. and i i'm starting to believe even, even more that he should be a guy that potentially hears his name at the end of the first mm-hmm. so what would you think about some ucla guys so i i think that's where our tune changes a little bit yeah obviously. right and, and not just because they lost but i think in the manner that they lost and what we saw right in my humble opinion i felt like haquez and yeah maybe just haquez was the only one who really showed up tonight i mean in, and for him a really inefficient night right 19 points on what 24 shots or something like that which is kind of a nightmare type of line but he also led them in rebounds he had six boards he you could you can you could visibly see that he was trying to make something happen and, and to be honest for a guy who was really pushing and really trying to make something happen obviously there were a couple possessions that you could say he was forcing a little bit but at the same time like i think he was kind of left on an island and he didn't really have his teammates to support him. I, we've had, we've already talked about Juzang a little bit today, and this was not a good game for him. I mean, flat out, it, it was not an encouraging game. I, what were your thoughts on Juzang? Because I, yeah, there was a stretch early in the game that I thought UCLA was literally in hell. Yeah, it was close to twenty. It was like thirty to eleven or something, or thirty-one to ten. And I was like, oh man, they just look horrified. They have no nothing going offensively. And then they sort of like climbed back later in the game, and Juzang hit like two jumpers. I want to say in a row, maybe it was. And I was like, uh oh, maybe now he's gonna 
going to get rolling and kind of almost take over, but then he he got cold. You could tell teams didn't deserve to be one and two. Right. And, and I don't mean that in a bad way for UCLA fans, but you could just tell they were outmatched mm-hmm. tonight with the depth and you know measurement of Gonzaga. And I understand that UCLA's got some injuries. They're not full force. Peyton Watson's not even like ready to be unleashed yet. We're going to talk about that more, but Juzang just keeps being this guy that he takes a lot of tough shots right. and I understand he can make those shots but in games like this I feel like you can't rely on those tough shots early you mm-hmm. have to get in a rhythm and then when you find your rhythm then you can go to making you know taking some tough shots where mm-hmm. it's like okay you know he's started out the game four for seven mm-hmm. he's feeling pretty good and hit one from outside now you could attempt to it but he just seems like he's always a guy that's like J.R. Smith's treatment mm-hmm. where any shot's a good shot you're not that shooter I don't know I just I thought he had a bad 48 hours no but also like to be fair I think the biggest biggest difference between him and JR is I feel like JR chose to take those tough shots right meanwhile Juzang was forced to take tough shots that's a good one you know because for Juzang it it really is a matter of him not being able to create separation he's got real physical limitations it's not like his handle is lights out so and I mean, we saw it tonight, Gonzaga with their guards and their wings, they forced Juzang into really tough situations where he really didn't have any choice. And also, I mean, we have to talk about the fact that UCLA didn't really have many options in terms of shot creating and shot making, right? It was either Juzang or Jaquez and no one else, really. Right. I mean, like, call it for what it is, like Tiger Campbell ended the game with 11 points, but he wasn't really around. I would have bet my life that Tiger Campbell didn't break double right. digits tonight just right. watching that game. Like it, it just seemed when Juzang's shot wasn't falling, Hakez couldn't find anything. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh my, where where is their next option? I think I even mentioned to Albert. I was like, they got to get Tiger. Someone's got to mm-hmm. get going. And it was just wild. But turning that all to draft world, because, you know, we're just too caught up in the speed of this right. game because it was so crazy. Juzang, it just keeps being the guy. I think he's a great college guy that is struggling right Right now, I just thought he should have entered the draft last year. I just didn't see this next step where it's all of a sudden he was a middle second round guy to all of a sudden being like, oh, he's going to be late first. I didn't see a climb like Mm -hmm. that. I thought best case scenario, he could have maybe climbed to be like a 35th overall pick or something like that. And maybe he still could. Maybe I'll be wrong. I just still think we kind of know what he is. Mm -hmm. Jaquez tonight kind of came back down a little bit to earth to me, but more impressed me with he was still trying to figure some shit out yeah i might be wrong but i think he had like six and six at halftime and mm-hmm. i don't know what he ended up with i think he had like 17 19, or something, 19. Yeah. so i felt like he was kind of in a torture chamber in the first half he started out trying to figure out chet i think he quickly found out the chet was real he was like okay all right what am i supposed to do now and his shot wasn't falling he was just it was a nightmare first half so i i even mentioned albert i said i want to see what he does mm-hmm. in the second half because it was a blowout and people were you know some people were exiting already i was like no i want to see what Hawkins does second half. I thought it was pretty much as bad as a game as it could have been for him. Still yeah. ended up with 19. Still looked like he was trying to do anything power. Mm-hmm. Could, like I'm fine. I'm fine with it. it those guys are going to have those games. He was he was alone on an island mm-hmm. tonight. And UCLA just that's one of those games that you might you might burn that tape. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just one of those. It was just a total beatdown. But mm-hmm. did you sway your opinion at all? And no, or no? no. I just to pick, piggyback off of what you said. I think UCLA watching this game, they're going to have some real concerns when it comes tournament time. Yes. Because because anytime UCLA goes up against a team that has a tough wing defender, you can almost count Juzang out 
Like he's just not an alpha at all. My thing with Hawkes is I think Hawkes has some alpha to him personality wise, but I don't think he's there skill wise. I think he's best as a number two option. But if you're going to rely on Hawkes to be your number one, um, when we're talking about a knockout type of situation, like in the tournament, I think UCLA has some major issues. I mean, obviously, we haven't even mentioned Peyton Watson yet. Yeah. Um, but I mean, really quickly before we get to Peyton, I, I think Hawkes, I'm still really high on him. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think, you know, there's still so much to like. And if anything, as we mentioned, the, he showed the fight tonight. Right. And so I'm more than happy with that. And even even as he was forcing things at times, I also did like some of the the uh decisions that he was making there are a couple of times that he played within the flow of the offense he took some nice open shots he didn't hit them but you know i, I still like that he tried you know so i'm pretty okay with that and then in terms of peyton watson see okay i i, I want to talk about this because i feel like it felt like a weird time for coach cronin to suddenly entrust watson with the ball handling stuff like we didn't even see any of that last night against bellerman right and then suddenly against gonzaga he's got the ball in his hands a ton in the first half and second half. And I'm just, I'm watching this kind of confused. Like, where did this come from? And why is this your plan of attack against a much tougher Gonzaga team? And you didn't try this against Bellerman the night night before. Obviously, Peyton Watson ended the game with zero points. I didn't hate some of the shots he took, right? But I, I just, I'm a little confused about why try that now when you didn't try it against a much lesser opponent opponent the night before I, I think they were just all over the place and he basically just had one of those twister boards in mm. the timeout and just spun it to be like what should we try next yeah. it was interesting you even said that to me and i love that you called it out because you were like now they're giving him the ball like mm. now they're putting it in his hands i don't know what's going on i do know from what i've watched from what i've seen on the court from what i've seen in warm-ups the last two days he just looks like he needs a lot of time yeah and you know i know Nathan, our, our boy, and no ceilings is giving me crap because I say the T word a lot time, but Watson just looks so far away. And I'm not saying just defensively. I think defensively, he's much more seasoned mm-hmm. and ready to contribute. Right. But I think the offensive side is just long way. Mm-hmm. Tonight, when I watched him in warmups, because me and Albert got to be a court side, I, I still was just glued, wanting to watch Watson a lot. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me start this with a side story. It's really important. Mm-hmm. I used to watch guys before when I worked in the NBA, I used to watch guys warm up all the time because I was always fascinated to see what their workout routines were, like their pregame routines. And I always say why Leonard was the most impressive workout I've ever watched in my life because he is robotic. Every shot he takes I swear he lands in the exact same spot. Like mm-hmm. his footwork is just unbelievable. And it's not this crazy him running all over the place. It's just like one dribble to the right between the legs. And I swear he lands in the same spot every time. Mm-hmm. It was just one of those that I, it was so detail focused and you could tell how serious he took it. And then it translates to the game because mm-hmm. you watch him as he plays and he's taking the game shots in warmups. So like when I watched Watson, I don't know if I ever saw a shot that his footwork was the same Mm. it was either more more close together more like super wide i saw him take some off the dribble pulling up with his feet narrow 
He's pulling up on these with his feet really wide. And I was like, what? What is that makes no sense. And then I'm seeing him like once they're done doing their drills, he's taking loose jump shots like off the bounds. And he's got like one foot super far back and one foot forward. There's so much going on Mm. with his shot that I just think it's going to be a while before he's ready to be unleashed. I could be completely wrong because I'm Mm. not a shot doctor. If I was, I would have a good shot myself. But I'm just saying from what I've been taught, what I've been bold to look at Mm -hmm. he just seems like it's all over the place and he seems like he's thinking about it like i I actually want to go back and try to watch his Mm -hmm. high school stuff now again because he seems like he keeps trying to do the right thing on some shots and he keeps missing and he gets discouraged and then goes back to his old habits to try to be comfortable Mm -hmm. that's what i'm saying and i know i went on a little rant like that but it was just interesting watching to me like how i swear i took a bunch of videos and photos probably five different angles of his feet like how he lined them up i'm like this this can't be right but he Mm -hmm. also had some shots that everything was lined up and beautiful and he missed and I was like, that's okay if right. you missed. You're, it looks great. Like mm-hmm. he had one right in front of me. I had a video. He lined up. His feet were fine. Straight ahead. He had a beautiful rotation and just went in and out. And when he shot it, I was like, whoa, there it is. Like that's what you're probably working on. So right. maybe it comes with more reps, mm-hmm. more time. It was disappointing tonight that he didn't get a little bit more run. Because I was like, at one point, I was like, shit, he's the only guy that defends right mm-hmm. now. Why wouldn't mm-hmm. you be playing him? I don't know. I, I'm still just a little, I think he's going to be a, a long one. I think yeah. I told you that when we were walking out. I think he's going to take a while to find his groove. Right. And, but I, yeah. and his draft stock will be interesting mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I don't know if I don't know if you're you're investing on a project like mm-hmm. a lottery ticket or you're saying the tools are special and he's young and we'll redshirt him, quote unquote, you right. know, for a year. I, I think um, line, you gotta you gotta say everything you want to say. <laughs> I had like four transit thoughts. I know that's but that's what I do. Um, I, I throw curveballs yeah, at everyone. Yeah. I put but, them on the spot. So I, I think with one. Watson, I'm going to say to you what I said to um, our friend Richard Fox that we met at the game. Shout out Richard Fox, former Gonzaga player. He hung Mm -hmm. out with us. He was fantastically nice. Talked about pretty much as much hoops as we possibly Mm -hmm. can. Mm -hmm. I think he even gave me an emphatic Chet Holmgren high five after (laughs) one of Chet's dunks, and I was not ready for it at all. So shout out Richard Fox. It was a blast talking to you. Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, shoot the the shit. Right. Richard made us an honorary uh, Gonzaga fans tonight. And we did not have a choice, right, Richard, right, if right. you're listening to this. He did not really give us a choice. He was just like, yeah. come on, you're good GU tonight. And I was yeah. like, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. But but at the game, you know, Richard did ask me, he was like, what do you think about Peyton Watson? He's like, I don't understand why an NBA team would watch this guy play and want to give him millions of dollars. And what I said to him is what I want to say to you. We are six games into the college basketball season. And I think it's really easy for us to overreact. Like people might listen to this pod and say, okay, Albert's overreacting with Hakez. That's fine, right? These are my initial reactions to six games into the season. And I think what you're feeling about Watson, what Richard was saying about Watson, I think that's fine too, that that's your evaluation up until this point, but we're six games into the season, Mm -hmm. right? And I think how things progress throughout the season and how he continues to grow will then dictate, obviously, where he goes and if a team will even be interested in taking him in in the first round. And of course, like all of that will affect his decision too on whether to enter the draft or not. But my thing is, let's say he comes back to college next year and gets a little bit more of the responsibility offensively and gets to kind of spread his wings a little bit more and gets more coaching and development. Then we're talking about a guy who's really exciting. 
Because what I said to Richard tonight was there's a reason why he's on these lists where people are really high on him. And it's because he moves unlike other people at his size. Mm -hmm. That means something, Mm -hmm. right? He has length that some people just can't have, right? Uh, Also, he plays with, you know, the demeanor and ferocity that you're looking for, right? On both ends of the floor, I think. Even offensively, like, I think there are little crumbs of of things to get excited about and, you know, where he can continue to develop. So, for me, I hear you guys, and I don't want to disagree. My only thing, my only caveat is that we're six games into the season, and i like to see a little bit more. And and this is something that you mentioned. Maybe they've got the training wheels on him for now. They let him develop throughout the season, not just in games, but in practice and whatever. And then by the time we get to March Madness, maybe we see an upgraded level of Peyton Watson, and that might lead to something else. Well, and I'll throw I'll throw one right back at you, Albert. Yeah. Because there's history. You know, I, I like to have backup supporting facts with my statements. You know, I, I said to Albert, I said my hot take walking out of there tonight, and I'm not, you know, of course I'm gonna say this on the podcast so everyone's gonna ring the dinner bell, but I said I I just have weird vibes. Like what if he just what if he came back for his sophomore year mm-hmm. and they just unleashed him and i was like that wouldn't be that bad because he's kind of young like why it's not that negative of a thing blah blah blah. well there's a guy that has a similar story and right now he's been one of the hottest names in college basketball you know Jaden ivy was a freshman that was struggling to find his groove and kind of the last half you want to say last i think it's last 10 games i did a pod with nathan and i I talked about it, but last 10 games, his numbers were unreal. Mm -hmm. It might've even been like last seven. I don't know. If someone wants to call me out, you can DM me, whatever. I'll, I'll show you the facts. And now he's one of the hottest names in college basketball after he returned for his sophomore year. And he's been absolutely outstanding. He looks like a potential lock right now for a Mm -hmm. top 10 pick. There's nothing wrong with going back Mm -hmm. because not all these high school recruits come out and are just ready to roll because, you know, Peyton Watson was getting the ball a lot in high school. He was probably using his length and athleticism to do whatever he wanted. Now he's playing alongside two scorers. He's not the go-to guy now, which he's learning to play off the ball, which isn't, you know, sometimes it's not easy going from being mm-hmm. the guy to learning how to play away from the ball. So yeah, I'm, I couldn't be more proud with the statement you just said. Mm-hmm. You played six games. I mean, at least let us wait for half of the year, right? you know, or at least let us get close to March before we start to get nervous. Mm-hmm. Let us get to some of the final games of the year before we get into conference tournaments mm-hmm. and then get into potentially March Madness before we're getting nervous about these guys. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we, we brought up in part one guys like Caleb Houston, guys like right. that right now are struggling. It's so damn early. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so damn early. Like it's six games. Like, yes, Chet, follow those big boys uh, are off to an amazing start. Mm-hmm. It's just a whole different world. Not every guy's going right. to be putting up good numbers right out of the gate because it just never really happens. That's to not everyone. the norm. No, yeah. it's never the norm. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting with Peyton. The more I watch him, the more I say people will think I'm crazy. But mm. I've I, I left this saying, maybe this is a sophomore mm. draft guy. Maybe he's just not. Because I don't know where you put him right now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Like if I, if, and I, I will tell everyone this, but I hate doing big boards and mock drafts early in the year. Yeah. But now that I'm on no ceilings, I have to do this shit because you guys are going to make me do it. And 
it'll be fun, but I'm going to fucking hate it because yeah. I just never do it because right. there's so many variables that go into this. Now I'm really fired up and we're in Las Vegas, which is just dangerous. Right now, I'd probably be like, I don't know if I can have Peyton Watson in the top in the lottery mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just because what I'm seeing is he's so raw. But then I see the tools from the game yesterday against Bellarmine and I'm like, that... <laughs> Yeah. is a lottery pick if if he can do that consistently right. against more competition but i just think he's so far away so that's what i'm saying and that's yeah. my vent and my frustration and i, I think your frustration is coming from a good place though yeah i, I think well, ultimately i appreciate that i think yeah. albert's only saying that because he's across the table from me right now no, but no. i really do. <laughs> it makes sense because i think I, I think if we get to the root of what you're saying is because he has these freakish gifts yes you want to see him put it all together and that's why for you when you watch him and you, you're evaluating him now you're just frustrated that he's not there yet but that doesn't mean you don't think he's gonna get there i, I don't exactly. even know if i'm frustrated yeah. i'm frustrated that others are freaking out that it's not there yet mm. because i'm like it's okay that it's yeah. not there yet also he's a big exactly there's a long history of he's that. <laughs> figuring out his his yeah. role he's mm -hmm. figuring out college basketball he just went from high school to college right. and he's not a he's not a pull-up scorer you know, he took one of those pull-ups tonight and I was like, oh, it looked really good until yeah. I saw the shot result yeah. where it almost broke the backboard. <laughs> so I'm saying, let's pump the brakes. Like guys, today, you know, he was a top 10 projected preseason guy mm -hmm. all year. This is the this is literally becoming the Jaden McDaniels story all over again mm -hmm. where we freak out because we overhyped this guy. And then he comes out of the gate and he's not averaging 20 a game. So we're like, oh, man. And then all of a sudden today we have mock drafts and he's going 19th to 25th. And I'm like, I get why you're doing this, right. but don't. <laughs> yeah. just like we're going to we need time with this kid. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. No, uh, once again, I, I really don't feel like you're you're saying this to put the kid down. I think it's more of you, the the way that you evaluate his arc yes. is different from others. Yes. Right. Is what you're trying to say. And I'm with you. I, I think that makes a lot more sense because we have a as you mentioned, we have a long history of this, especially when we're talking about six ten guys. Right. We've seen this throughout. There's a guy currently who plays for the Golden State Warriors where the discourse on him is very similar in James Wiseman, right? People have their frustrations with him because the stuff that's, when you just look at him, you're like, this should make sense already, right? But he needs time. DeAndre Ayton needed time. These yes. guys need time to develop. So I'm with you all the way, man. I, I think it makes a lot of sense and I'm still kind of high on him. Yeah, as you are too. I think you I, are too. I, it's just, you know what? When I see a guy like that, I kind of tell myself, how many games has he played? Six. Mm -hmm. I kind of would be like, let's, let's look back at him at 12 games. Right. Oh, so, okay. Let's look at him later there. Then when you get that size of sample and you don't see anything's changing, mm. then you could be like, okay. A little worried. A little worried. Yeah. Maybe he just needs another year. Mm -hmm. You know, that's when you start getting serious about it. But it is early. Mm -hmm. And guys go on stretch runs where all of a sudden they're nuclear. I mean, I just brought up Jaden Ivey. It just happens yeah. to guys where they just hit this new entire groove where all of a sudden it's like, okay, everything's coming together. And, you know, maybe UCLA has a little bit of a stretch in conference play where they start playing some Pac-12 teams where they have to kind of play him more often. You know, they have some guys that are injured. Maybe they all come back and Watson's role gets a little bit more unique. I don't know. It just seems like a weird fit right mm -hmm. now because he seemed like this guy that came in into this 
program or this year, everyone was talking about his playmaking and I don't really see him ever having the ball. Mm -hmm. And it's just because I think they have two scorers that are carrying the load in Hawkes and right. Juzang. So now I think he's learning a whole entire different role. Mm -hmm. And that's going to take time. No, it... <laughs> It's going to take that, but it's also, I think you got to, if you're the coach, figure something mm -hmm. out. You know, do you put the ball in his hands more? But it's also just a weird roster. Yeah. You know, Tiger Campbell needs the ball. I don't know. I'm getting off track because now mm -hmm. I'm all rattled and riled up. And you mentioned James Wiseman. So now I'm just ready to go to battle. <laughs> what else do we got? Or do we think that's. I think that's it. Like, I, I think there's no one else that really stood out tonight. It was, was just there, kind of a thrashing. It was it was a bloodbath. Was there any skill or prospect you came into this last couple days that you were impressed with or disappointed with? Was there a guy that you weren't expecting much that kind of caught your eye? Yeah, I mean, a bunch of the Gonzaga guys. Yeah. Yeah, obviously. That usually will happen when they're up 30 against <laughs> yeah. the number two team in the country. Yeah, but I mean, we, we had a great conversation with Richard Fox at the game too. Yeah. Like I think Caden Perry is a guy who is going to be worth watching. He was fun. I mean, Hickman. I, I liked Hickman. I really liked Hickman, and I know he didn't have a big night tonight, right. but I did like some of the plays he made. He made the right reads. He uh -huh. made some good decisions. Like, he was fine for me tonight. The problem with that Gonzaga team is they have so many so many wolves in the shed that mm. there's going to be guys that just don't produce. Your boy he, Bolton. Oh, I love Rasir Bolton. Yeah. No, me too. Like, he's I might really ordering, impressive. I might be ordering Rasir Bolton jerseys. I might have the only one in America. <laughs> I might not even order that jersey. I might just get white t-shirt. With and his then face just, on it? Well, that. Mm -hmm. No, that's a better idea than what I'm about to say now. So, <laughs> let's just get my terrible idea out of the way. But I was just going to do like a the terrible t-shirt jersey with mm -hmm. the marker oh. and I just write like Bolton in really bad writing. Mm. But now that joke sucks. So, um, <laughs> well, I mean, what do you got anything else for me? Um, let me think. No, we already covered Strother. Strother had my yeah. entire attention tonight. I really am intrigued with him. I have somebody who was, I was a little disappointed in watching Jules Bernard in warmups. He has an NBA body. The issue with Jules Bernard is he cannot shoot for his life. Yeah, that's not that's a broken. big problem. It's not ideal. Some say I have an NBA body, but I can't shoot for my life. So <laughs> I don't know if you're reading his scouting report or mine. Kidding. We like to have fun here. Tyler has a baseball body. I'm sure you guys can tell. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know that definition. If I, you know, they basically look like uh, Aaron Judge. So yeah. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> you said baseball body, so be more specific. I was thinking more uh, Stephen Piscotti. You know? Oh, okay. <laughs> Shout out Piscotti. <laughs> so oh, hey. We did not give a prediction for the UCLA Gonzaga game. Do you have a prediction for Gonzaga Duke on Friday? Oh boy. Mm. Wow. Gotcha. No, it's tough because so here's the thing. This is important. I talked to Albert about this today. You you went down the lineup with Gonzaga and UCLA, and I just kept seeing areas that and this is also from someone that talked themselves out of betting Gonzaga minus seven tonight, which would have been the easiest money I've ever made in my mm -hmm. entire life. But I just kept going down the lineup and I was like, Juzang, I was like, what are they going to do with Chet and Timmy? Gonzaga's got just a bunch of dogs in the backcourt. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you, I just didn't see it. With Duke, it's an entirely different world because you're talking about Trevor Keels, mm -hmm. Wendell Moore has been playing outstanding basketball. Mm -hmm. Paula, we know who that individual right. is. 
Mark Williams, right. AJ Griffin's going to be right. fired up for that game because he's knowing I, that's that's the game I remind everyone who I am. They're going to be a dog fight yeah. for Gonzaga just because I'm a big believer of if you just kick the shit out of someone right. and someone's coming in that's going to give you a whole different world, you might be in for a rude awakening. Now, I think Gonzaga knows they're about to play a team that's going to give them more of a battle than mm. the number two in the team in the country just did. I'm sorry, UCLA fans. I just had to get that last dig in. Go Cats, bear down. So I I actually, I think Duke's going to win. And I say that rooting for Gonzaga. Mm. But I do think Duke has this team that I've never been a fan of Duke teams. Just They always seem to be weird to me. And this Duke team I really, really like. Now, saying this, and Gonzaga's going to win by 30 and then Chet's going to have 40 and 20. So we'll see. But what do you think? I'm going to say Duke for now. I can't believe I'm ever saying that. You want to give us a score? No, I don't. Okay. Duke. Oh, gosh. What was the final score tonight? Tonight, the final score was 83-63. Gosh, they put up 83. Yeah. Duke's going to win 71-66. to 71-66. This is without me looking at a spread and over Mm -hmm. under everything. So 71-66. Can't believe I put that on the air. Albert was just trying to make me look like an idiot. Uh, no, for me, I have Duke as well. Um, I think just the sheer size that they have compared to UCLA is going to be a huge, huge difference. Mark Williams is a guy who can block shots like Chet in terms of that guy gets up and he can rip some balls out of the air. They also have like Theo John coming off the bench, who's a big dude. You know, he, he's got some mass that I think they're going to have to deal with or Chet's going to have to deal with. Um, and then, of course, as you mentioned, Keels and everyone. So um, I'm going to say 82 to 76. Duke. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I almost want to be wrong. Mm. I'm going to put this out there. I almost want to be wrong about Duke because that means Chet kind of weathered the storm and had another impressive performance. Mm-hmm. I think if Chet has a good game against Duke, I think. He's got to be the number one pick. Yeah. That's yeah. my hot take. It might I'm be probably going to stick on that for all week, and I'll probably tweet that out tomorrow, and people will be like, what are you talking about, Rucker? <laughs> I think from everything I've seen right now, I'm getting really close to putting Chet number one, mm. and that's for someone that loves Paulo. If he does what he did tonight against Duke, I don't. I really don't know how you can't. Because it's not just the scoring, it's just yeah. what he does everywhere. And yeah, that's that's my hot take right now. Live from Las Vegas. Is that good? We Are we good? Good. good for good. you? It's good for me. It's been fantastic doing this live from Las Vegas. Like I said, I got to meet Albert for the first time. We've been friends on social media. We finally got to meet for the first time because we're doing this project together with no ceilings. I thought I was coming out here to watch these games alone and Albert was like, screw you i'm i'm there let's do this so it's been awesome out here i was really pumped to get to watch some college basketball in person albert thank you for joining me for myself tyler rucker and albert gim this has been no ceilings part two we are at no ceilings.substack.com please subscribe to that we're gonna have a lot of good draft content pretty much every day yeah. that you could possibly handle for the rest of your life we're going to have a lot of good stuff coming. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Don't come to Las Vegas <laughs> because you'll lose your money. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's mm-hmm. a great place. America's Playground. Get really pumped up for Friday. Duke Zags. Going to be unbelievable. I don't know what else to say. I'm just so pumped to have done this. It's been a joy. Thank you, Albert, awesome. for this experience. Yeah. I can't wait to see where we go next. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's Spokane. 
it, yeah. it's shaping up to be that way mm-hmm. because I got I have to go see uh, Strother, who I realized today has the best basketball name. No one's talking about because he has straw. Mm-hmm. So no one's ever going to give me credit on that. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys for joining us for part two from Las Vegas. I don't know if we've said that before. But that's it for now. I it, I think Corey and Nathan are going to be up next. They are going to Brooklyn to yeah. see a certain large individual mm-hmm. from the University of Memphis, as well as and his Im- skinny friends, so. Imani Bates. So mm-hmm. that's going to be interesting to see what they say. Um, you guys be on the lookout for that. I love you all. What are you, uh, you got? Anything else, Albert? That's it. That's it. Peace out.